HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a podcast about all things edible, spreadable, and pourable with me, your host, E.T. That's not how E.T. talks. <laughs> and me, a Reese's Pieces. Uh, what's an individual? I will eat you. Reese Peasy? A Reese Peasy. <laughs> a Reese Pisces? No. You know, a little known fact about Reese Pisai is that you never see one alone. Tell me that you've ever <laughs> seen a Reese's Pieces by itself. It doesn't happen. Well, I can't even remember the last time I've seen multiple Reese's Pieces. I do love them, though, like when I go to the movies if they have them. But it's like a vintage candy at this point. Do people even eat them? Um, I don't know. I love them, too. I don't remember the last time I had one, but I do have a memory of eating them as a kid and, like, letting them all soak in my mouth until the coating kind of wore off and then smushing them into one big peanut butter chunk and chewing it like a goose. That's how geese eat peanut butter? It is, yes. Huh. I also just, something occurred to me just now, how come Reese's Pieces only have brown, yellow, and orange? Like, the weirdest color combo is it because the 70s that's what everything was the color of, of? <laughs> i think so i guess that's like the pe- the vibe of peanut butter and also because they're haunted for halloween the vibe and... of peanut, butter. <laughs> peanut butter doesn't have like a purple vibe yeah because what about those uh freaking jelly peanut butter combo jars what were those called Oh, Smucker's Mixer <laughs> Twists. Yes. Yes, the Smucker's Mixer Twists. <laughs> Mick Twisters. I, mm. I, I call them the stripey, I don't know what the hell they are. Whatever. I never had that, but uh, <laughs> I was always intrigued by how they looked in the jar because every stripe was perfectly even somehow. How did they get it in there? I don't know. It's a miracle of modern <laughs> science that we've reached peak science with the jelly and peanut butter in the same jar and stripes. I want to call them Lunchables, but that's not right. I know. I want to call them like Uncrustables, but that was another Smucker's invention. Yeah, that was like the crustless disc from the freezer that had peanut butter and jelly inside of it. 
As the, are you sick and tired of doing a minimal amount of work in the first place to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and cut the crust off? Well, we've done it for you and they're frozen. <clears throat> um, it's can wild. you just put one of those right directly into the mm, toaster? Uh, I don't know. I've never experienced one. I don't think we had those in my house. That was like a step too far. <laughs> a bridge too far. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, that was a real Sophie's choice, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Oh, no. I mean, also, I'm like, their shape was round, so how do you get them out of the toaster when they're done? I don't know. I, I, that's like why they've been banned dangerous. in the U.S. Yeah, they're highly dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to send a quick apology because last week I thought our episode was so funny, but unfortunately there was something wrong with my audio, and so you can only hear half my jokes. But I want to assure <laughs> all you new listeners that I was hilarious. Nicole, you sounded great. But uh, my punchline in every joke was cut off it by was? an evil spirit. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what does it sound? I haven't listened to the episode. It's like I get right and, you know, like I'm finishing like a my wife joke and then all of a sudden the punchline is cut off and all you've heard about is how much I don't like my wife, but you don't know why. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad that we decided to air that episode, even though it seems confusing and alarming. Um because it's important yeah, it's, that people know about Zima. Like, we got to get the word out there about that's it. That's true. And you killed it. Yeah. But unfortunately, my Rodney Dangerfield comic stylings were just, <laughs> uh, didn't really didn't really hit the mark the way I wish they had. But that's fine, folks. We tried. We came. We saw. We tried. We yes. failed. Like Uncrustables. We, I think Uncrustables are still around. You do? Yeah. I Listener. Guess. Report back. Do you eat Uncrustables? Have you found them in your grocery store? I'm speaking to you, Mike Sala, who I saw this morning on my walk back from the farmer's market carrying a bunch of stuff for the pop-up. My Both my shoulders were about to break off, and he looked amazing. I'm sweating. Which disgusting. farmer's market is this? The one by the courts down um, on Court Street. Oh, well, that's where Cabin you would Plaza. see him. But we won't say his job on here because we don't want to dox him. Yeah, we he's don't want to dox him. <laughs> He's a he's a federal judge, um, but uh, he's a, a Trump appointed federal judge, and that's why we love him, Mike Sala. They keep doing the Lord's work. No, but he looked amazing. Although I will say, Mike, you were wearing a wool sweater, which made me sweat Season even pushing. more just looking at you. Yeah. See, although today in Indiana it's very cold. <laughs> Pretty. Is it really? Yeah, it's like sixty four degrees. <gasps> Heavens to Murgatroyd, I wish I was in Indiana. I'm literally boiling hot. And I say literally because I've been boiling pasta in my apartment and I'm <laughs> boiling right along with it. Well, I wish it was boiling hot here. I'm not ready for, although I have on this very adorable, you can't really see it, but it's like a, you know, like a shredded Henley from the 90s. I think oh, that Kirk Cobain nice. probably was wearing this at one point. Um, <laughs> that's haunted. And that's how I found it at the local Goodwill. <laughs> how fabulous do you know that a lot of people like don't thrift shop because they think that thrift thrifted items could be potentially haunted do you believe i don't believe that that's a fact at all <laughs> you don't believe it's a scientifically proven fact i don't believe that people the reasons why people don't thrift is because their clothes will be haunted <laughs> some people not all people i know one person personally my friend jessica quinn doesn't buy vintage stuff because she's afraid that it's haunted and she's she's perfectly sane Okay, well, she has I, a college degree. I, well, you know, okay, which fine. means a lot. <laughs> it means that she has student loan debt. But I think that uh -huh. if you think that old H and M from six years ago is going to be troubling you because it's haunted, then you're silly. 
<laughs> if somebody died in it, it would be haunted in that vintage H&M. <laughs> vintage H&M. I feel like the clothes that people die in don't make it to the Goodwill. They have to be like snipped off of you at the morgue or whatever, you know, or like if, yeah, I mean, I guess it's where you're going to the morgue. I mean, maybe on the way, they also snip them off of you like in the ambulance in case they think you're still alive, but they're not going to take that vintage H&M cold shoulder top and then drop it off at the Goodwill. <laughs> well, I think the thought is more like that it's the, if a person dies and their family donates their clothes, that those are the haunted objects. <laughs> and I welcome it because I'm very lonely. So I say, that's why I do thrift shop. I don't know how my friends moved away during COVID. So I continue to thrift shop so I can fill my home with ghost friends. Ghost friends. Yes. Who are probably trying to send you a message because remember some of your vintage items caught on fire. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> so That's true. Maybe Folks, they're trying to kill you, buddy. We're talking about ghosts here. So, Nicole, do we have any, like, burning lava hot celebrity gossip this week? No, not really. Um, the, the only things that I was able to pluck out of the internet was that um, J-Law, that's Jennifer mm. Lawrence, different Jennifer, um, that they asked her what was one thing that she wished that she would have known before she got married to whoever the hell she's married to. Um, <clears throat> and she said, I wish that I would have known that Ben and Jen were going to do it again. <laughs> That's what she said? Yes. <laughs> wow. Uh, I thought she was going to be like, I wish I knew that he was like terrible at sex. <laughs> As they waited until marriage. <laughs> um, yeah, she's a good Christian girl. And then the other thing that I've learned is that don't worry, darling. Why well, sent you so many fun memes? It was it was what, oh, such a so fun good. week to have that for us. Uh, but we it's pretty it. much all over now, and especially since Chris Pine's whatever PR Dead. person was like, "No, <laughs> Harry Styles did not spit on me." Okay, we're we love each other, we respect each other, whatever. Oh, boring. We probably both bone Olivia Wilde in a sexy three way, um, but. Um, yeah, it's only it's only the movie itself only has forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which you know you can take that with a grain of salt because it's different people's totally. opinions. Everyone's entitled we, to their own opinion. <laughs> totally, and salt grains of salt are perfect on tomatoes, rotten or fresh. That's a good point. Way to bring it all back to tomatoes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the movie seems that it's going to be bad. I of course will still watch it. Um, maybe I won't see it in the theater, but I really, I mean, it looks good. I just. I love Florence Pugh, you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. I also love Florence Pugh, and I'm excited to see it. I found the tweet that you're talking about when Kanye West, um, or the Instagram or whatever it was that he put up saying, Kim has tons of diarrhea, way more <laughs> yes. than a normal person, and I laughed and laughed and laughed. What a yeah. funny thing to say. But diarrhea. I mean, it's not funny if she's sick, if she has, like, Crohn's disease. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Kim has... A lot of diarrhea, like more than a normal person. She has Crohn's disease. <laughs> God. He's like, it just so got cut stupid. off. I mean, the rest of my tweet was just cut off. She just uh, suffers from Crohn's disease. So wild. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really find much celebrity gossip this week that I really attached to. 
Um, <laughs> I've been in kind of like a very stressed, maybe somewhat dark place. So I have just, speaking of Kim Kardashian's diarrhea, been going down the rabbit hole, go working my way back to the origin of keeping up with the Kardashians, which is Whoa. both embarrassing to admit, but also very pleasant to watch because like, it's like, I think I've mentioned this before. It feels like taking a nap with your eyes open. <laughs> and it's like the only way that I can kind of fi- like function and de-stressing. Like I tried watching like good movies and I was like, nope, I cannot pay attention to this whatsoever. And how to just go right back to keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Although I do have some other Kim Kardashian gossip is that Ray J, is that the guy that she did the sex tape with? Mm-hmm. Yes. Ray J has apparently revealed which will shock no one that the the sex tape release was planned with the Kardashian family and they had like a little deal going there and they made quite a large sum of money from it. (laughs) Good for them. It's I mean, look, fuck it. If you want to make your own sex tape, what's the difference? I say go for it. And folks, that's a good segue into me introducing that I am also releasing a sex tape soon. Okay, great. Well, stay tuned. When was it filmed in 1985? Because I don't remember it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yes, in 19, uh, 1864 when I was born. No, this is actually just pictures of me having sex on uh, blue kitchen tape. It's functional. It's mm. my chefy product. You know how people are coming out with all their own products and stuff. This is mine. Yes. It's okay. sex on blue kitchen tape. Not safe for work, but also <laughs> it does take place at your workplace. <laughs> <laughs> it's just for me. I'm releasing only one role to myself. Um, um, what was I going to um, say? Um, I don't know. Stop saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I can't remember what I was going to say now because you said um a bunch of times. But I do Um, want to talk about our topic, which this is not my fault, but it has completely nothing to do with food. It's Zara's fault Um, because it was her idea. So I picked a hard topic. (laughs) Yeah, a hard-hitting topic that's on everyone's minds because – the 25th anniversary of the X-Files just happened or something like that. Maybe mm-hmm. not 25 years. How long ago is 1993? <laughs> like 75 years ago. Okay, so 75th anniversary of the X-Files was on, I believe, September 11th, so no one can talk about it. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> David Duchovny just had a double hip replacement. He did? No, but he's going to. Oh, are you now. saying because he's so ancient? Okay, got yes, it. Yes, he's it, elderly. Got it, got it. Well, Great. Um, maybe it's better when I can't hear your punchlines. <laughs> <laughs> that was so, just like you and Armin conspiring against me. Like, make it sound like she's underwater, and every time she makes a punchline, let's just go ahead and gurgle that right on out. Of yes. Um, okay, so the topic today clearly is aliens. Um, and, yeah, I my topic has nothing to do with food. Um, but I decided to do... A collection of alien abductions that I thought would be interesting. Um, Love it. And I got, the reason I thought that they would be interesting is because I got it from an article in a magazine called allthatisinteresting.com. <laughs> wow. How um, could it not be with a name like that? So, yeah, let's, let's get going here. Um, the first abduction that this article talks about it says that it's the first noteworthy one but as we move on you'll see that that actually is not true um at least according to their own reporting um the september 20th 1961 betty and barney hill were driving around new hampshire um they needed a 
like basically it was their honeymoon. Um, and they are, they're basically like, Hey, we're driving a bright light is approaching our car. It's, and then Betty's like, this is totally a UFO. I don't know how she knew what that was in 1961 since supposedly they're the first ones who ever saw one. But, um, (laughs) she was like, when you know, you know, she was like, dude, this is not a satellite. It is a unidentified flying object. And so her husband stops the car and gets his gun and gets out of the car (laughs) Goes to what? investigate America. Well, I mean, it was the sixties. It was fine. Um, sure. He takes his gun to approach a bright, shining light. I don't really know what he was planning on doing. I guess shooting into it. Um, and <laughs> then he reports that he sees a pancake-like disc. It's important to know that they had just come from a diner, so it's <laughs> pancakes were obviously on the brain for them, but. <laughs> They really did. They left it looks like a Vermont. pancake with bacon. <laughs> back from Vermont. Um, and they left a diner. This is true. Um, so a, pan- <laughs> a pancake-like disc was glowing, and he said it's the size of a jet, but the shape of a pancake. Um, and they try to flee. He like gets back in the car, and he tries to drive away, but he gets too sleepy and falls asleep. And then they wake up in their driveway two hours later, having no idea how they got there. <clears throat> Whoa, just covered in syrup. Yes. So then um, Betty is convinced, as I said, that this is some sort of, I don't know, alien thing. And Barney's like, no, you're a woman. You're so stupid. But she called the Air Force and and told them what she saw, which I think is so interesting because I, I don't, I mean, how did you, okay, first of all, how do you even call the Air Force? <laughs> Um, excuse me uh yes air force it's me betty i've seen a large pancake (laughs) she was like hello air force um listen i um yes pancakes flying through the air um i want you guys to know about it and the air force was like thank you for letting us know um and she was like no problem so then they both kind of just like go about their lives but then they are having really bad nightmares. So they go to a psychiatrist and he's like, you guys both have crippling anxiety. And they're like, Oh, um, but they're like, we don't talk about our feelings cause it's the sixties. So how are we supposed to know? Um, but <laughs> so, yeah. So then of course he hypnotizes them, which, you know, nowadays we know that memories recovered from hypnotized people are sort of questionable. Um, but when they get hypnotized, they say that they were in fact abducted the aliens took samples of their skin, their hair, their yeah. little fingernails, um, and then I put a six-inch needle in Betty's stomach. <gasps> and then <laughs> Betty says that um, she asked the leader. They understood that this person was the leader. They don't know, or was this this entity was the leader um, somehow? Um, and she was like, "Hey, leader, where like where are we, man?" And the leader's like. It's kind of rude, if you ask me. Um, the leader's like, if you don't know where you are, then there's no point in me telling you where I am. Also, confusing answer. <laughs> Typical from a pancake, though, am I right? Yeah, but it's like confusing and also condescending. And also in perfect English, I don't know. It just seems like maybe that possibly, that part maybe isn't true. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like, I feel like on one. the entities who live in a pancake would be nicer than that. You know, a hundred percent. Anyone in a pancake, imagine living your life in a fluffy, delicious pancake. 
I don't, I, mean, like, I don't even really like pancakes, but still. I feel like, yeah, pancakes, I can take or leave. But I think that, like, the other thing is, like, if they just want, like, DNA samples from us, why wouldn't they just go outside of the dumpster of, like, a hair salon or something? So there's, like, hair and nails in there, and they don't have to bother anyone. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And also, why would they let you go? Which really is, like, why I believe that i mean i of course believe in aliens but i believe in like alien sightings that people have with like human like aliens that like kind of look vaguely human and speak english or whatever language <laughs> the country that they're found in yeah um a human language are just like people from the future traveling back in time well that's an interesting theory um so yeah, so, okay, Betty and Barney are like, yo, this happened to us. And then the Air Force actually did... Oh, the other thing is, so they claimed that they were... <laughs> I don't know how they knew what this is called, but they claimed that they were taken to Zeta Reticuli, which is a star system 39 light years away from Earth. And while wow. under hypnosis, Betty was able to draw a detailed map of what the sky looked like from that star, which is weird, you know? You're like, how would she know that? But you could also probably just... Google that in 1961 and just check out <laughs> what you can find. Or, you know, maybe she went down to the old the, uh, library. I don't know. <clears throat> but, um, so whatever, because of this or because maybe nothing else like this had really happened in the U.S., um, the Air Force, because of this, created a project called Project Blue Book, which is, according to all that's interesting, a shadowy, a shadowy investigative set um, of the Air Force that just investigates UFA, UFO sightings. And then, as we know, you know, 30 years later, they asked Dana Scully and Fox Mulder to take over for them. And that's how we got the X-Files. <laughs> the beloved X-Files. I know that you're an X-Files fan, and yeah. so am I. Love God the X-Files. Great style, great tone, lots of, like, whispering from David Duchovny, which I appreciate in an actor. Does he whisper in the X-Files? Yeah, I feel like he whispers a lot. <clears throat> yeah, he's got, like, a kind of laid-back, whispery way of talking. I appreciate a good whisper. <laughs> okay, go well... Go ahead and rewatch the X-Files, okay. and let's go ahead... We'll yeah, do a drinking we'll... game where we have to drink every time he whispers. <laughs> okay, okay, I can't wait. There's seven seasons. We will become dead. Um, <laughs> so... Okay, so that's them. That's that's Betty and Barney. Um, then now we're moving on to the Berkshire County, Massachusetts story of Thomas Reed. So, Amazing. I love the Berkshires. Yes. Beautiful this time of year. Um, September 1st, 1969. Thomas Reed. So this is actually... So this, this Berkshire County, Massachusetts sighting was was multiple people. So many people have reported this. There's even, I think this is the one that's on the new reboot of Unsolved Mysteries, but I don't know for sure. But um, multiple people reported seeing something in the sky, something that looked glowing, like glowing bright lights. Um, but Thomas Reed in particular and his family had an experience where Thomas Reed is nine years old. He's in the car with his mom, his grandma, and his brother. And they're just driving around. And they see these glowing orbs that sort of stop in front of the car and then make all time sort of stop period, like for a period of time. So then they like sort of like pass out or dis but lose time somehow. And then when they wake up, they're just magically back in the car. But the mom and the grandma had switched seats 
Yes. That is spooky. <clears throat> it is spooky. Um, so then they claim that they went to a hangar of some kind, like a massive hangar, and that like they were interacting with these beings. Uh, and there's you know some details, but they seem it's not that specific. And then the other thing is that multiple people reported seeing a UFO that night, and 20 or 30 school children just randomly started drawing UFOs in class, like without knowing that the other ones were doing it, which is kind of spooky. I think that's very, very spooky. Yeah. Wait, can I interrupt quickly? What is your feeling about UFOs? You, you believe aliens, UFOs? What's what's the vibe for you? I don't really. I believe we've covered this on the podcast before, um, but <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> I don't excuse think me. that. Well, I'm not really sure. I do think that like the way that aliens are described in the many abduction stories don't seem like to me what they would possibly be like or be into or interested in <laughs> what yeah you think like, they're more why, into like house music because we're just like well i just feel like humans are like we're so interesting like of course they want to like get all our little pieces of hair and stuff um but i'm like <laughs> do why would they care about us at all um totally. except for we have great celebrity gossip uh so That's moving true. on now it's december 26 1985 and this man who's, I'm sorry to say, I guess I didn't write his name down. Sorry, sir. Um, he's alone in a cabin in the woods, which is dangerous. First of all, it's very dangerous to be alone That's in a, a cabin no. in the woods. <laughs> Never do it. Always I bring a friend. prefer not to do that. Um, he hears a noise. He wakes up, hears a noise, and a small non-human entity is approaching his bed. Like a <laughs> mouse, probably. <laughs> <laughs> A badger or a raccoon. I mean, like a non-human entity that's any number of woodland creatures because he's in the woods. Sure. <clears throat> um, he, he sees something approach his bed, and then he just awakes, groggy and aggressive. So, I mean, that's how I wake every morning. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's like the title of your memoir. <laughs> um so then this guy's like, you guys, whoa, please hypnotize me. And they're like, no problem. We love to hypnotize people in 1985. Um, <clears throat> he had a recovered memory of an abduction that a five and a half foot tall, or that he basically had an, a memory of an abduction and maybe like being experimented on. Um, but nobody believed him. So then he decided, he also wrote a book about this, but he decided to like double down and say that in 1998, he was in a hotel room and a man knocked on the door and he thought it was room service and it was not room service. Well, if it was room service, this is bad room service. Um, a five and a half foot tall man wearing a turtleneck, which is a detail I find very amusing. Um, well, that's the first sign it's an alien. <laughs> or it's Diane Keaton. Barishnikov. <laughs> um, um, this turtleneck wearing man comes in <laughs> and stands motionless by the window for one American hour <gasps> talking about the dangers of creating an intelligence more intelligent than the creator. What does this have to do with his other alien abduction? I don't know. Um, and he doesn't know either, but <laughs> um, and then neither does Diane Keaton. Yeah, she definitely. Well, she's not. She's not talking. Um, 
So we don't really know what's going on there, but it's basically nobody believed this guy, even though he wrote a book or two about it. But then it goes on to say that there is one man who does believe him. One Green Beret, former Green Beret commander, John B. Alexander. He's like, I've talked to this man for over 20 years and he's never changed his story. And I believe him. And I used to be a Green Beret. So I was like, okay, fine. Maybe it's true. Sure. Um, let's move on to the past. Let's go back to 1973. Calvin Parker and Charles Hickson were fishing in the Pascagoula River in Mississippi. Sorry if I said that wrong. Um, but, you know, it's 1973. They're fishing. They're probably wearing really cute outfits that would be popular today. They're probably worth millions of dollars, even though they were affordable <laughs> back then. Um, they see some blue lights flashing, and they think it's the cops telling them to stop fishing. And it's not. Um, the blue light turns into a blinding light which then turns into a humongous 80-foot football that hisses at them. What? And then three legless creatures float out of the <gasps> ship. They have mitten claws, no necks, Whoa. and they're gray in color. <laughs> Whoa, dude. This sounds like a little a character I used to draw when I was in middle school called Feldsbar. Yes. I'll, I'll attach a picture on our Instagram. Great. Well, maybe you were abducted. Um, they put their little mitten claws around his neck and all of his fear dissipates. Um, they didn't like experiment on them and then let them come back. They call the police and the police didn't believe them. But in order to trap them, the police leave the room and leave the tape recorder on hoping to catch them in a lie. But they don't admit to their lie. They keep telling the same story over and over again. So the police are like, this is probably true. Um, and then... One of the guys died, and the other guy finally wrote a book about it in 2018, and then a bunch of other people came out and said they saw a UFO that same night. I love it, and I love believing that UFOs are real and that aliens are real. I mean, I think it's kind of, like, in a way, arrogant to believe that aliens aren't real. It would be, like, pretty weird to think in a whole vast solar system that there's no other life, but, like, are they visiting Earth and plucking humans' hairs and picking our noses? Right. Mm, questionable, but I feel like... I, there's something like I don't think all the people who have explained having abduction or or sightings like are like lying. You no. know what I mean? I think that there's something to it, but I, I'm not quite sure what it is. Yeah. Well, on that note, let me tell you the last best story about. Well, just in my small amount of research, there's plenty more out there, guys. Go read about them for yourselves. Um, okay, so we're going all the way back to 1957, um, and. It's October 16th, <clears throat> and I believe that we are in Brazil, and this man, Antonio Baus, says that he is working in the field at night, and a red star comes out of the air, and it's an egg-shaped craft, or a football-shaped craft, if you will. Um, he then goes on to say that the A-shaped craft opens up. He's captured by five-feet-tall beings wearing gray overalls and helmets. Wow. <laughs> and they have Sounds blue, like aliens. They have small blue eyes. Aw. Um, they then take him into the ship. They take blood out of his chin. I don't know why. Huh. We never, Curious place to take the blood from. We the never chin? will know why. Yeah. Well, I guess these people, or whatever, these overall-wearing helmeted gray people... No more than we do or less than we do. Who knows? So then <clears throat> they gas him. Well, the chamber that he's in is filled with gas. He falls ill. And a, <laughs> a naked, attractive, 
female walks in a human. Um, I think that she's human anyway, or she's human in appearance. Um, and she looks great. She walks in, she has blonde hair, but red pubic hair. So Is this the, curtain, you? the curtains do not match the drapes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mm, um, so then she no, this is not me. This is nineteen fifty seven. I had just been born. <laughs> <laughs> um that she walks in and she's like, Hi, yes, this is blonde, it's not my natural hair color, obviously. Um, and then they have sex. And then sex, after they bro. have sex, she gestures to her stomach points up in the air, and he takes this to mean that she's going to raise their child in space. <laughs> Sick. That's cool. <laughs> their redheaded child, maybe. Um, and he, That's where we got Carrot Top. <laughs> <laughs> that he was like, you know what? It's kind of rude for them to just make me a sperm donor without my permission. And they're, you know, that's what he said in the retelling of the story. Um, but the one thing that the people who he's telling the story to did know is that he was suffering from radiation sickness. So he had all of the symptoms of being radiated. So it's possible that the story is true. And later he became a successful lawyer. So I'm saying maybe this did happen. And he has a kid up there somewhere. That's awesome. I love this story. I love all these stories. And actually it made me realize that what I want to do after this is download a book on Audible (laughs) about alien abductions and just listen to it until I go to sleep at three in the morning when I'm done making vague ziti. That sounds great. I know. All right. Amazing. Well, what about what a bunch of great stories. It reminds me of some of my favorite alien movies, especially Fire in the Sky. Have you ever seen Fire in the Sky? Actually, I've never seen it, but that's what started me on this. I was going to just talk about that particular abduction, the loggers. But then <clears throat> I realized that their story is not very funny. And also that no, most people probably scary. are familiar with it. Or maybe they're not. I Fire in the Sky that. is scary, but not as scary as your favorite movie, Signs. <laughs> <laughs> That is my favorite movie. <laughs> signs with Mel Gibson. I was researching signs last night. I'm like, oh, that'd be so funny to do signs. But like, there also is nothing funny about signs, but for <laughs> other reasons. There's just, I was like, what's the behind the scenes drama? Like, did Mel Gibson say anything like anti-Semitic about aliens? But alas, there's really very little drama, except for that Mark Ruffalo was supposed to play Joaquin Phoenix's character, but he got like brain surgery instead. Crap. Well, I'm glad you made it through, Mark. You're such a handsome guy. <laughs> yeah, handsome devil. Non famous non alien, Mark Ruffalo. Okay, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right, right back with another hard hitting story about your favorite topic and mine, aliens. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick. 
with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. And guess what? We're back. We've been probed and we're ready to go. (laughs) Nicole, I am going to talk about a movie today, but a movie that is much, much better and scarier than, than Signs. And I'm talking about none other than those pointy-headed freaks, the Coneheads. Did you watch the movie for this, for your research? No, but I've seen it somewhat recently, so it's fresh in my Coneheads. <laughs> yeah, I like Coneheads. It's a good movie. Is it good? No, it's, it is kind of good. I mean, no. I love all those movies from the 90s because it just reminds me of, like, being in a cold movie theater, like, with my dad at the mall. Like, I just love mid to late 90s comedies. But, like, um, that movie... I think is not good. I think it's fine. And all like, I, I was a conehead. The part where there he eats all the toilet paper, which forever is permanently. Yeah, he loves toilet paper. In my mind, he loves toilet paper, and they love food, and they eat like they love to eat. They're foodies. They were the original foodies, so that's why I'm talking about them today. So conehead, um, came out in the '90s, but that skit is from the '70s, right? Exactly. Yeah, the skits from the '70s. Um, they decided to bring it back years and years and years well, later. Well, that was also, and, I guess everybody was about the 70s, though, in the 90s, because they also had the Brady Bunch movie, and yeah. I what was wearing was there? Paisley shirts from the... Yes, the 70s store. had a huge comeback. Yeah. In the 90s. Woodstock um, rebooted. Oh, God, we should do it. Next week, we should do Woodstock 99 as our topic. I'm sure people <laughs> ate something I just there. watched the documentary about that. It's pretty interesting and terrifying. Is it? I haven't seen it. Um, so I was a conehead for Halloween, maybe in the year 2014, 2013. Luke and I were coneheads together. This is before we dated. We should have left it at that, but alas, we pursued a relationship. TMI. And we, yeah, we wore <laughs> TMI, and we wore the cones all the time. How did you? How did you do it? Like, what was the? How did you make a conehead? They sell them. They sell latex cone heads. Oh. You just stuff it with some like t-shirt, put that thing right on your cone head. T-shirt. Something. That's some the, kind why of would like, you put stuffing. like a newspaper in there? Well, you could put newspaper. Where something I felt like t-shirt was like harder and like less cr- made less noise. <laughs> yeah. It'd be very crinkly. <laughs> I just felt it was spaghetti. Oh yeah. So I could eat it afterwards. Was it Multi-functional. Uncooked, uh, of course. Squiggly spaghetti with sauce. The sauce was dripping out of the cone. It was a mess. Into my eyes. Okay, so in summer 1993, Coneheads is released. And so there was like a lot of success with SNL movies at that time. Obviously, Wayne's World, right? It was like the big one. And Wayne's World was so popular that much like everything else, uh, stupid corporate executives are like, make another one. Do it like that, you know? So, yes. And also, the Blues Brothers had been a big deal before that. But great film. So, anyway. This movie reeks 90s of me. It reminds me a little bit in a way, even though it's like kind of not similar to it that much, of Batman and Robin. It has the same vibe to me. Like, (laughs) I would watch them in a double feature. Huh, okay, interesting. Yeah, just like corny, kind of campy. Um, So this movie did flop, and it was completely panned by critics. It starred (laughs) Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin, two wonderful treasure, national treasures, um... But even they couldn't save the movie. It only got a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. Worse and not than even a grain Don't of salt Worry, Darling. 
Yeah, it's worse than Don't Worry Darling. Yeah. Holy shit. But I want to say that when I was looking up the rot, because I thought there'd be some reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, that'd be funny, uh, but there weren't. <laughs> Everyone takes themselves very seriously writing about fucking coneheads on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but don't tell mom the babysitter's dead only has like a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I no longer trust Rotten Tomatoes at all. That's a great movie, though. I just rewatched that not that long ago. It's like one of the greatest movies of all time, and I really don't understand how people could give it a 30%. Like, that means 70% of the world's population <laughs> thinks that, that Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead sucks, and that is enough of a reason to make us go to Remulac. Am I right? I'm assuming that's where they are from. That's true, notes. Nicole. You guessed correctly. Okay, now look. <laughs> Roger Ebert was amongst the 70% of people in the world that did not like this movie. He gave it only one and a half stars. Okay, not bad. Which I think is rude, but at least it got the other half a star. He says, in the beginning of his review, I quote, the funniest thing about the old conehead sketches on SNL wasn't what they said or what they did, but, what, but that they were where they were. They stood around with their big, bald, pointy heads, and almost anything they did seemed funny because they looked funny doing it. So that was the whole point of the skit in the 70s? Well, I mean, yeah, like, I guess if they had round heads, they wouldn't be as funny. I mean, we had to have, I mean, whatever, Roger Deber. Uh Now we have Conehead's movie, which proves that if you're going to do a sketch, if you're going to stretch a sketch to a feature length, it's going to take more than pointy heads to make it funny. <laughs> this is a dismal, dreary, and fairly desperate movie in which the <laughs> actors try very hard but are unable... <laughs> tell us how you really feel. But are unable to like overcome <laughs> an uninspired... Yes, that's the Nicole story. Dismal, dreary, and fairly desperate. <laughs> what else were you? Grumpy and hostile. I'm aggressive and <laughs> groggy. Groggy. <laughs> Groggy, aggressive, dismal, drearily, dreary, fairly desperate. Yeah, you Nicole can't Bailey. say dreary. <laughs> drearily, dreary. Um, anyway, he didn't like it. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, he's not what a I fan. gained from this review in the beginning. We'll come back to this review in just a moment, folks. So these conads, they come from Remulac. That's their planet, which sounds a lot like Remulod, which makes me hungry. Is Remulac like anything backwards? <laughs> Uh, calumer. Okay, so no. Calumer. No. Um, they say note. that they're from France, <laughs> and they live in Paramus, New Jersey. Okay, great. Um, they love food. Now, I don't know if anyone remembers the kitchen scene when they're eating, and Dan Aykroyd is just like shoving, fisting Eggo waffles into his mouth. I find it to be absolutely hilarious. Because uh, I think he's really doing it. There's other scenes in the movie that are, like, poorly CGI'd, like, with them eating. But he's just, like, shoving Eggo waffles into his mouth. And for that, I love him. And there's just so much junk food. And it's definitely, like, one of those 90s movies that relies on, like, product placement dollars. Because there's, like, Lay's potato chips and Pepsi Ooh. and, like, oh, Subway. Pepsi? Like, no! I know. Pepsi really had, like, a thing in the 90s. Pepsi they had a moment. They also had a deal with Lauren Michaels or something. Because they do Pepsi in Wayne's World, too, man. I know. It's annoying. Also, I was on a fucking sidebar. I was on a plane on a literally the first plane ever made um, this weekend. And but it was the, just the a right, harrowing travel. The Wright Brothers airplane? <laughs> yeah, it was the Wright Brothers. I was with Amelia Earhart, my best friend. And um, <laughs> as though, like, the travel experience was just, like, so harrowing to begin with. And we get on this old ass plane. And I'm like, oh, I'll just have a Diet Coke. And this woman hands me a Diet Pepsi. And I threw it right back in her face. That's how you should treat service 
employees. Exactly. Throw things at them. That's the way to get what you want. Well, was she like a ghost because you were on a haunted plane or was she a real person? She was a real person wearing vintage clothing. So she was basically both. Um, I drank it. Were you like a reenactment airplane ride where people pretend like it's the 1940s or something? And you have to like, yes. Yeah. Like when they go to Connor Prairie here and they turn butter for you to see what it was like in the 1800s. Is that what you were doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was actually just at the TWA experience at JFK, and I was wondering why my plane wasn't taking off. <clears throat> Sucked. It was so late. Um, okay, so they can they quote consume in mass quantities of things like shredded swine flesh and fried chicken embryos. So you know the coneheads are silly. They're they're wily, and they have a funny name for everything, and that's why we love them. And there's a scene in the beginning when they're in the kitchen. And the daughter is going to get some juice out of the fridge. And she's like super cute and super 90s and looks amazing. And she's like a little butterfly, like t- fake tattoo on her head. And Dan Aykroyd just goes, yeah, what have you done to your cone? <laughs> it's just so funny. I watched a clip of it last night and I was like, this is amazing. It was just like a temporary tattoo, but he made her wash it off because he's evil. Oh, this is their conehead daughter. Their conehead daughter yes. had done something Terrible Who to plays their daughter? Is she not famous? She's not famous, no, but she should have been. She's very cute. Um, so, right, the sketch uh, originates in the 70s, and Dan Aykroyd and then SNL writer Tom Davis had, like, had a very, like, zonked-out trip. I think they were super high when they visited Easter Island on a vacation, and they became obsessed with the island's huge heads, and that's how they came up with the plot for Coneheads. Interesting. I bet that that's not true. That sounds like they're they're probably just on a bunch of cocaine, and they're like, "Wouldn't it be cool if you had like a pointy head?" <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So Roger Ebert goes on to say, nobody makes much of a fuss over the peculiar configurations of their craniums, except for a neighborhood boy named Ronnie, played by Chris Farley, who <laughs> falls in love with the conehead daughter, played by Michelle Burke. His story is a poignant one. He has a fetish for pointy-headed bald girls, but never realized it until he saw Connie. That is poignant. Now he wants to kiss and caress her head, somewhat to her annoyance, although she does like the guy and treats him to a vacuum cleaner kiss. Hmm. There are lots of sight gags involving the Conehead's peculiar eating habits, one shot behind with a vacuum cleaner at work, and then reveals that the hose head is directly into the cone head's mouth. Wait, what? Like, I guess, like, they're, like, shooting food out of a vacuum cleaner into their mouths. This part I don't remember. <laughs> okay, maybe it was a... Their diet tends towards scene. very basic carbohydrates, such as rolls of toilet paper and so on. So this is, this is where Roger Ebert kind of leads us. Now, I've also found a quote, uh, article, a 2021 article from The Guardian by Jim Farber entitled, Hear Me Out, Why Coneheads Isn't a Bad Movie. Okay, but first of all, I'm just, they said that rolls of toilet paper is a carb. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, if I had to categorize it, I'd probably also say carb, right? I mean, it's if definitely not a protein. Paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I avoid paper. I'm on a low-carb diet. I don't eat any toilet paper Okay, so, so what we're saying is toilet paper is not keto friendly. Oh, no, or Atkins or whatever <laughs> other fucking things people are doing. Don't eat Okay, don't do it. it. Don't do it. Okay, so this guy from The Guardian makes the case that um, it's really like an immigrant story of people trying to please and acclimate 
um, and eat foods of their new home and do things like Oh my God, I've read this article before. You have? Well, it's actually like, it makes a good point. And it highlights the cruelties of the INS. So this guy goes on to say, quote, the movie's plot centers around two absurdities. The Coneheads attempt to integrate themselves into society and the machinations of a zealous immigration agent who only wants to expel them as illegal aliens. The film's immigration theme reflects the scriptwriter's critique of the policies of then-President Reagan, I guess when it was first, because Reagan wasn't president in 93, so he must be referring to when the sketch came about, but wasn't Reagan president in the in 1980 i have no idea i think he was president from 80 to 88 i didn't even know that he was president <laughs> well good for you you're living in a much nicer world than we are, where he actually was president um anyway i think this guy's wrong about that an attitude that would turn uh, apoplectic were it to be updated in the days of donald trump in fact the ins agent in the film does trump one better by proposing an electrified fence at the southern border primed to zap anyone who tries to enter the country great idea right so like i mean some of these themes are you know are interesting and i, I kind of took that away when i was eight years old watching this movie i was like this is a great pro immigration movie yes um to, and that was totally what I thought. I didn't care at all about how she could eat a sandwich in one bite, <laughs> which is so CGI'd. It's really funny to watch. Like, she goes to eat, the daughter of Conehead is on a date with Chris Farley, and she goes to eat a Subway sandwich, and it's, like, the most fake-looking thing that I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, how could this even be real? This wasn't that long ago. It looks like the first movie ever made. It's like the CGI baby in Twilight. Oh, yeah, weird. Oh, Twilight. We should do a Twilight episode, right? Yeah, definitely. Vampire blood. That's food. Um, okay. So, Beldar... Well, they eat human blood. That, that's true. But they have vampire blood, and that's the important part. their blood can be food to other vampires, because they always are, like, saving each other by, like, biting themselves and feeding it to the other person. Totally. Twilight is a weird... Twilight is a really weird movie. Do you think? Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous, and that's why I love it so much. All the staring. They played Twilight at BAM a couple years ago, and I brought Preston. He had never seen it before. It was absolutely amazing. I haven't seen it since, so I need to rewatch. Um, okay, so then this uh, the author of this piece goes on to say, Beldar Conehead presents the most empathetic portrayal of the immigrant imaginable. He's incredibly hardworking, efficient, and uncomplaining. As such, he earns the respect of some fellow strivers he meets in New York's Black and South Asian communities, Beldar's ambition allows his family to move to the suburbs where they try to cover for their usual appearances by claiming to be from France. The fact that they get away with this howler smartly sends up American provincialism. <laughs> Likewise, the way that Coneheads eat, consuming mass quantities in their parlance, presents a wry comment on American greed. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So I kind of like, I don't know. That's an interesting take, hot take on Coneheads. Um, we are running out of time, but I, before we go, I want to make sure that I get this part in. So Coneheads, the very divisive film, folks. I like it. Nicole hates it. Be your own judge. Go ahead and watch that. Coneheads, Phil Hartman has a little part in it, so Aww. that's good enough for me. He rest in peace. He's also a Conehead. Well, yeah, I also just, I'm sorry to tell you this. I don't think, I don't enjoy the sketch either. It's like, you know, it's just <gasps> one of those things, it's like, you just, the time passing makes it not funny to me. Like, if okay. I was in the 70s watching it, I think I would like it. But since I was never able to experience that, watching it as an 
person in like the nineties, I was like, this is not funny at all. <laughs> I, I loved it. I adore it. And I'm going to go ahead and rewatch it real soon folks. And if you want to come over to my apartment and watch it with me, I'd love to have you because I have no friends. Okay. <laughs> so on amazon.com, a couple of reviews here. So these were the funniest reviews I could find. I have to say most of them were five stars. This one says good movie. This is a pretty good movie. The only problem that I have with the movie is it's a little sexual in its content. And when his wife is laying in bed, reading the Bible and laughing as it was not true, God's word is always true and will always be true. And that is forever and final. <laughs> okay. But also I love that this person says the word movie so many times. Like good movie, pretty good movie. Like that's oh their first God. two opening sentences. <laughs> oh my God, I'm crying. This was actually just written like days ago, August 23rd, 2022. What? <laughs> yes. So this is from November 30th, 2021. Alien sex is gross to think about. This is the headline of the of the <laughs> review. Alien <laughs> sex is gross to think about, but good that people were kind to them. <laughs> I, I liked that people around them in America were kind, welcoming and warm, helping them get jobs and cleaning their teeth. Oh, by the way, they have like a million rows of teeth, which I also love. And that they have a place to stay, not being scared or rejected by them because they look so different. However, I hated all the sexual stuff between the alien mom and dad <laughs> and alien Connie and the human boyfriend. I think trying to think about alien sex is gross. I also don't like human sex either. So I would have liked it without the sex jokes, sex talk, childbirth, foreplay, sex type scenes where you're meant to understand they're having sex Back nudity in the locker room. No thanks. This movie gave me nightmares. As Back a nudity. <laughs> I feel for this person because it sounds like they just have some like issues, but um, it's a very funny review. Back nudity. <clears throat> That's butts, folks. Oh, I thought it was just like backs. Sure, oh, back. I mean like back, like naked backs. Oh, so you I mean, see butts because it's like butt PG thirteen or something. Yeah, uh, back nudity is butts it's like a full butt shot okay great got it okay well that is risque it's very risque although if anyway, i had a dollar really for every butt i've seen in a locker room in a movie i would have like 50 dollars <laughs> <laughs> i mean just from carrie alone um okay should we go over our three favorite aliens or things about aliens anything alien related top three favorite alien adjacent um, topics well i love aliens the movie Alien. Which one's first? Aliens or Alien? Alien. Alien. Oh, I like all of them. I, I even like the bad ones. Um, love Alien. Love Predator. Love Carl Weathers. That's um, powder. Is he an alien? <laughs> no, but we did talk about him last week. You got powder on the brain, huh? That's a okay. Hold on, let me, I love Howard the Duck. Okay, how about that? Sure. Fair enough. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and say I love E.T. the movie and oh, the yeah. and the per, and the alien himself, <laughs> herself, whatever E.T. was itself. Um, I love Alf. Sure. And I mean, there's just so many alien things to like, which is funny because I don't really like space. Notorious space hater, me. Right, right, right. I'm not really into it. Oh, and I love the movie Men in Black. What about my stepmother is an alien? Whoa. What about um, <laughs> Star Wars? I've never seen it, but you have. You love it. Star Wars is great. Love love Star Wars. Um, what about <clears throat> Mars Attacks? Mars Attacks is not good. 
I rewatched that. I watched it for the first time. And everyone's like, Space Jam. That movie is good. And I was like, okay. Then I watched it and I was like, that's not true. Um, it's not, it's not true. Independence Day. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I love Independence Day. So good. All right, guys. Well, thanks for uh, beaming in for this very special Alien episode. And uh, yes, it didn't have much to do with food, but it had a little to do with food. And you know what it is? It really is just some food for thought. Am I right, Nicole? That's right. That's that's correct. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, we'll see you next week. Asta la conehead full of pasta. Bye. Life's a Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.